Entrepreneurship is not for the faint of heart. You're the first one in, last one out, and you do whatever it takes to succeed. Nonetheless, 25 million Americans have chosen the entrepreneurial life because it's equal parts demanding and fulfilling. Welcome to the People First, Then Profit podcast. Join hospitality veteran, photographer, and entrepreneur Don Mamoni each week as he hosts a candid, no-holds-barred conversation with successful business owners and entrepreneurs eager to share their professional secrets with you. Like his crazy Italian family does on Sunday nights, he's serving up a healthy portion of inspiration, motivation, and education, so I hope you're hungry. Now, here's your host, Don Mamoni. All right, everybody, welcome. Thank you guys for being here today. It is the People First Then Profit podcast. Today, I am joined by Megan Applegate and Chris Chateau, and we're going to chat about living a life you love. So first, let's talk uh, a little about Chris and Megan and their journey to get here. Uh, You two have been through the entrepreneur journey, one of you for a little longer than the other, one of you a little bit more by choice than the other. So I'm going to start by just reading your bio so people get your particulars, and then we're going to talk a little bit about your journey. How's that sound? Perfect. Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks again for being here. Here we go. Megan Applegate and Chris Chateau have a combined 30 years of industry-specific experience in full-service and upscale luxury hotels in both the sales and catering management and food and beverage operations management. They bring exclusive insights to their clients by truly understanding their needs in order to match them with the right candidate. Megan has served on the board of directors for the Charlotte chapter of the National Association for Catering and Events for over six years. She is also in the elite community of professionals that have earned the designation of Certified Professional in Catering and Events, the CPCE. Chris has held an executive committee position at several hotels and has a solid understanding of what is expected of the various disciplines within the hospitality industry. Chris and Megan's talents lie in coaching for success, interviewing, negotiation, and relationship building. Together, they have demonstrated an ability to find the perfect candidate by uncovering the why behind the client's needs. As hospitality talent recruiters, their number one priority is to be a trusted advisor for their clients so they can continue to build strong reputations in the community and the marketplace by building talented, well-rounded management teams. Connecting people and cultivating relationships is their passion and why they do what they do so well. Megan, Chris, thank you for being here. Thank you. Absolutely. I got to tell you, I absolutely love that bio. The thing I love most about it is that A, we are all veterans of the hospitality industry and that you ended your bio talking about relationships and how important they are. And for somebody who's a self-proclaimed relationship marketer that believes in people first and profit, that resonates a lot. Right. We're here to talk about living a life you love. Megan, you and I joined the hospitality industry at the same time. Right. I'm a little reluctant to say that it was in 1999. Because <laughs> I think that, that dates both of us a little bit. But we both entered the hospitality industry in 1999. And you went on a epic journey there. And then there was a big change. And so could you tell me a little bit about it? Sure. Um, So like you alluded to, um, my history goes way, way back. When I first realized is I wanted to be in hospitality, I moved myself down to Florida and spent over 15 years, you know, doing my thing. Catering and sales was what I learned um, through my journey and my process. 
that's kind of where I felt I fit best. My skills fit best. You know, I love just the, the sales of things and events, um, designing events, menus, things that things of that nature. And I spent a lot, a long time doing that. Um, like you mentioned, and I got to a point in my career, um, you know, a couple years ago where I just started to, to find myself losing a little bit of that caring, I guess you could say, you know, when I'd be at an event, especially from the social point of view, if it was a wedding or, you know, a birthday party, something super significant, I felt myself starting to not feel the same kind of passion that I, that I used to. I would think about, oh man, I'd rather be doing something different. I felt very um, stuck, kind of stale, like I could really do what I was doing with my eyes closed. And so I thought I needed a new journey, right? I needed something different. If I do the math, that would mean that you were probably in the industry for nearly 20 years. Correct. And I have to say, it's very responsible and admirable of you to accept the fact that it was maybe something that you didn't want to do anymore and that you didn't have the passion for it. Because as a hospitality professional, I think everybody would admit we have a servant's heart. We're there in service to that client. We want to make, especially in the social circle, that day the best it can be for them. And so if your heart wasn't in it, scary decision, but you owned up to it. You took responsibility for it. And I think if I remember correctly, you made a pretty big change. I did. I did. So I actually got recruited myself, which was, which was interesting because I didn't, you know, I didn't ever know what that journey looked like. Mm-hmm. Um, not by a third party, which is what Chris and I do now, but uh, Compass Group, which is a contract food service. And they are headquartered in Charlotte where we live. And their HR talent person reached out to me and kind of dangled that carrot in front of me. And it was a really big jump up in salary and position. And I took the leap and said, well, I'm going to try it. Tried really hard. And within seven months, I realized it was, I wouldn't say a wrong decision um, because I'm happy that I went through it and I cherished the, what I got out of it, but it was definitely not for me. It was complete um, opposite of what I used to do in the hotel side and contract food service was like, <laughs> whoa, okay. Uh, Um, Not the wrong move or wrong decision, but definitely not where I wanted to be. So I figure there probably wasn't a, pardon the pun, happily ever after there because you had only done it for seven months. You are now, of course, owning your own business in in a recruitment firm. Kudos to you for recognizing that 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 wasn't Mm -hmm. the right fit, taking that bold leap and action. And there's oftentimes something where people say kind of fail faster or fail forward. What an unbelievable opportunity to say, not the wrong decision per se, because it it got me out of what I wasn't interested in doing anymore, but taught me also what I didn't want to do and then (laughs) led you down to this next. So talk about your next step. Okay. So, you know, with that decision, it came um, the end of, I guess, 18 and Chris, my husband, had worked with a recruiter um, in the past when he was potentially going to look for something else as as well a couple years prior and said, hey, why don't you reach out to um, the recruiter I had been working with, although I don't, that didn't actually work out for him. So I I reached out to um, this woman and with Gecko Hospitality and she and I talked and she said, you know, you have an amazing progressive resume in the hotel business. And, you know, I think eventually we could find you something, but 
have you ever thought about being a recruiter? And hmm. at first I was just like, well, no. <laughs> of course, it was not, not anything I had ever thought about or, you know, was never something that even crossed my mind. But, you know, things we communicated a couple weeks and it was an opportunity that presented itself, fell into my lap to not only change jobs and start something new and learn and grow and feel like I was, you know, back to not doing things in my sleep, but it was also an opportunity to actually own my own business and get away from what I had been doing for somebody else for so long. And that in itself was huge. Boy, I tell you what a neat progression of almost a 20 year career to a seven months of, nope, this isn't exactly the right fit to calling someone that your husband had spoke to at one point, which we're going to come back to because that's relationship marketing gold. Right. Chatted with her and she said, I mean, I'd love to have you as a player, but I'd much rather have you as a coach or manager or a team owner. That's pretty cool. Right. So really so much effort put into a career, a couple of shifts in career later, and now just 18 months and you're living a life you love basically by trial and error in a lot of yeah. ways. And that yeah. brings us over to Chris, because Chris, we've said your name a couple of times. I don't think I've heard you do anything but laugh. So hi, Chris. Thanks for being here. It's great to be here. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you too. So your journey, slightly different than Megan's journey, your journey to being an entrepreneur with her in the recruitment firm is much more recent. So tell us about what happened with you. Sure. Uh, in March of this year, I was laid off uh, due to COVID. And uh, like, I believe everybody else in the world, at least the people that I talked to, it happened to everyone. And uh, so, so I found myself all of a sudden looking at a time frame that Megan and I had talked about with this, uh, this company that we had purchased together. You know, the, the original intention was always that, that her and I would, would run the business together. But when we initially purchased it, there was a, a plan in place that I would continue working with a salary at a, in the industry and she would work on the business to develop it. And, and at some point, I would be able to transition into the business and out of the industry. Uh, the coronavirus changed that timeline for yeah. me uh, and, and quite drastically. So uh, I was left with, uh, with two choices. And, and uh, the choices were, you know, get back into the industry, find another job, uh, go back in and start getting that, that regular check, or uh, dive 100% into the business and make it work. And uh, here we are talking about that. I find that there is no halfway when it comes to an endeavor like entrepreneurship. You can't dip your toe in and achieve the level of continuity and success that the two of you have. So kudos to you as well as to Megan on, even though your path was different mm -hmm. and the greatness was thrust upon you by this terrible thing. And I think it's very worthwhile to say that the events industry is one of the hardest hit and the easiest overlooked in society right. today because of what happened with COVID-19 and the pandemic and the terrible outcome of it. So I want to say, I'm sorry about you having lost a job that you worked so hard for and a career that you'd put so much time into, but it brings me a great deal of satisfaction to learn that you're both now willing to come on this podcast and say you're living a life that you love. 100%. You said that as COVID impacted the hospitality industry, you saw a pretty substantial shift in your feeling about the position, about the job, about what you needed to do and how your day-to-day -day life changed. Can you talk a little bit about that? I think uh, even prior to COVID, I, I was at a, at a level in, in the hotel business where 
I, I was dealing with long-term planning of, of, of the operation. And I was at the same time going through a, a change in, in, in leadership and leadership styles, really. Uh, in, a, in a very short period of time, I had gone through an ownership change and three uh, general managers in, in a very short period of time, all of which had different approaches, different styles, different visions and different goals. And although that, that is fine and I can adjust to that, at that level, at that point in time, I, I was very confident in my ability and, and what I brought to the table and having to, to change that to meet uh, people's needs that were maybe more financial driven or expense driven or had priorities that were not 100% in line with, with mine and what I grew up with learning in the industry. I had already started considering moving as quickly as possible into the recruitment business with Megan. I already planned out that it would take two years and prior to COVID, but when the COVID came in, it, you know, it made things extremely difficult. I guess my stress level was so high, you know, in, in the hotel industry constantly. Every, every waking minute I was thinking about what I was going to do the next day when I got back into work to, to accomplish what was set in front of me right, right then and there. The, the second I started uh, my own business, the second I started working for myself, that changed. You know, everything, every decision I made was, was based around what was the best for the, for the business. Mm-hmm. And, and that made all the decision-making so much easier. It made all the stress go away because it was a very simple answer. There's always a really simple answer when you ask that simple question. Sure. And that realization came to me pretty quickly and, and the stress went away very, very quickly. We are going to talk a little bit about lifestyle change going forward. Before we do that, I wanted to, to pop back over and chat with Megan. You and I know each other through that wonderful association that you're a part of and that you work so hard to get that designation from, and that's NACE, the National Association for Catering and Events. I asked you when your tenure started, of course, you've been on the board for six years. You've ascended mm-hmm. to the level of vice president, so you're obviously right. very committed to that organization. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the fact that when I asked you when you went from being an industry professional to a business owner, if there was any thought that you would forego your membership or your obligations to that, because it's of course an expense. And when you are the business owner, you're in charge of the bottom line. And you said, no, not only because I see the benefit of it, but that's my family. Right. And I oftentimes refer to the DFW NACE chapter as my family. So tell me a little bit about what being a part of an association like NACE means to you, having gone from an industry professional to being a business owner now. Sure. Well, I think just like anything else, you know, I, I didn't get out of events in the industry because I was so unhappy or didn't like it anymore. It's still very much a passion of mine. Um, the, not only just because of the people I met in Charlotte, but I, I'm now, like you mentioned, I've been around um, long enough to now start to get to know some of the national members. And I just felt like I went to, I think, would have been this year, six consecutive um, national experience conferences, which, you know, for, for a member, just somebody that's the director of catering at a hotel, that's a lot, right? And that's a big commitment. And I was lucky through my journey that most of the time I had somebody to pay for me, but all of a sudden, like you said, how you make that decision of like, do I still do this? Or do I let that part of my life go? But I couldn't do that. NACE is just my family. It's who I've made my friends with. Um, I find myself helping other chapters now with webinars mm-hmm. on my expertise. Um, I even got Gecko to be a, a sponsor last year. So I went last year 
not only um, to the conference, but I got to go as, you know, not just a member, but somebody that was actually the business piece of it, where mm -hmm. I was giving people advice and helping. And, and so that was really a lot of fun. And I just, I can't see myself changing that. If anything else, I think Chris and I said, okay, now how do we get you also to get as just as involved as I am? Mm -hmm. That was our point versus being like, should we drop this because it's an expense in our business? So you look to double down as opposed to, to withdraw, which I think is an amazing. And one of the things that I say is the personal and professional people in your life are literally your most powerful resource to mm -hmm. solve any problem you have, to accomplish any goal that you set. And so uh, as a fellow NACE family member at the national level, I'm so happy that you guys stayed in. I want to point out that although we're talking about your journey to entrepreneurship and being business owners, and that mm -hmm. that has equated to living a life that you love, that's not saying that that's right for everybody. And Correct. I think it's just super cool to be able to say, very few people in the world are both the artist and the muse is something I say. You're typically either mm -hmm. the muse or the artist. You guys get the opportunity to do both. So you not only live a life you love, but when candidates come to you and companies come to you for placement, you're able to help those people find their next role, find their next hotel, find their next location and start in a new career or a new position within their career to live the life they love. So you guys are kind of like superheroes, which, <laughs> which I think is pretty we neat. We try. That's our goal. It's, it's really awesome because I know that the stress and pressure, and I know, Chris, we talked about that as a executive committee member and somebody who sat in a role that was an executive position in my time. You, you go across country, you change hotels, you pull your kids out of school for the right next position. And so that's not something to be taken lightly, either by the hotel, the candidate, or the recruitment or placement firm. So right. you guys are doing the hard work every day. I want to talk about lifestyle change a little bit because when somebody talks about living a life they love, the word love is an emotion. And mm -hmm. we don't necessarily look at just one value or one metric or one barometer, right? Sometimes living a life they love means more wealth monetarily. Sometimes it means more wealth, time with family. You guys talked about sort of the lifestyle change that happened when Chris joined the company and when you guys started to hit your stride. Tell me a little bit about that. I, uh, I came from an operations background where I was on my feet walking 15,000 steps a day. That was that was my common uh, goal on my phone to a, a position where I sat in front of a computer all day. And that was a huge transition. And mm -hmm. I'm still adapting to that. I, I get up and I leave uh, all day long, multiple times a day from our little office right next to each other. The transition, I, I think, uh, the lifestyle change rather is is... You know, it's, it's, I'm doing things for myself. I'm doing things for my wife. I'm doing things for my family. Mm -hmm. And before I was doing things to earn a check that was for my wife and for my family. And, mm -hmm. and it, that's a huge distinction and a huge difference. And I never really knew it until I, I felt it. And, and now uh, I, I feel like I work more. I feel like I spend more time mm -hmm. thinking, talking, discussing the business, the work than I did before. Mm -hmm. but I'm not stressed about it. I, I actually make time. Last Friday, Meg and I took two hours to, to, to leave the office, which is on our second floor of our house, sure. to go to a park that's 10 minutes away. And, and we packed a little cooler and had some drinks. And, and we, we talked about how our week had went, the successes that we had, mm -hmm. and what we were going to do the next week to, to get to the next level of successes that we had planned for. And, and so I, I'm literally thinking and, 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 and working all the time, like I was before. Our conversations are always positive. We're mm -hmm. not griping at 
each other about what happened in our day separately from each other in our in our work lives, right? Where oh, this customer, I can't believe this, and he's saying, oh, I can't believe ownership did this and they made this decision. Instead, even if we are facing a problem with something that happens, you know, where a candidate all of a sudden backs out on you or they change their mind, it's a okay, like we get to have complete control and work together and how we're going to solve it. And we're always talking about positive things Mm -hmm. and what we're going to do next. And it's putting our heads together. And I mean, like you said, Don, it's not for everybody, but like that is a huge lifestyle change for us that the time that we get to spend together, Mm -hmm. granted our nine-year-old is is remote learning. So we have everybody here, but still, (laughs) um, even if he wasn't the, we see him so much more. We don't have the stress of worrying who's going to pick him up and who's running late today. So for us, this has just been, you know, a blessing to to be able to do it. When I first started my business, I felt the old sort of funny adage of quit your your 40-hour-a-week job. You can work any 80 hours a week you want and be self-employed. At the same time, I also learned that I believed more in work-life integration and less in work-life balance. And I Mm -hmm. felt like this struggle to have work-life balance was because you oftentimes felt out of balance, right? I work too much. I'm at the office too much. I'm not sleeping enough. So you have to try to put yourself back in balance, right? So you crave some sort of vacation or you crave. Now, I don't want everybody out there to think that, you know, working for yourself is a breeze, but (laughs) at the same time, Emily and I have oftentimes gone for a walk in the middle of the day because the weather's nice and it's time. And we're out there doing exactly what you just described. We're chatting mm-hmm. about our day, what our next goal is, what our successes or failures were, what our opportunities are. So it's neat to know that other couples uh, that are out there fighting the good fight for entrepreneurship are, are having some of the same experiences. I recently, for a group that I'm a part of, read a book. It's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Expletive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because the author very poignantly points out that happiness and, and prog- progress towards happiness is not necessarily the absence of problems. It's working hard to pick the problems that you want or the problems that you like. And that's been very clearly illustrated in your story, right? So mm-hmm. for some people dealing with ownership and getting a check for their family might be the way they want to live their life. And for you, Chris, you're happy to not deal with ownership. You'll deal with some other problem and you're, you're sort of earning for your family in a different way. So it's neat. It's right. neat to see people going down the path uh, of, of living the life that they love. Talk to me a little bit about the transition. So the next step is the courage it took to recognize that you weren't in what you were doing anymore, Megan, and the mm-hmm. courageous step of COVID has made this impact in this chain. I'm just going to go ahead and give 100%. One of the things that I know about you, Chris, is you said you're 100% dedicated if you look at every decision you make and think, is this smart for the business? It sort of makes it a little bit more binary and a little bit less hard mm-hmm. to decide because that means you burned the boats. You had to be 100% committed. You had to make it work on the island because there's no boats to take you anywhere else. You're just going to make it work. Talk a little bit about that transition, the benefits, costs, whatever you feel about leveraging your knowledge and experience into a completely new arena. Cool. Uh- very lucky. I, I never realized I had the the, the, the knowledge and the skill set required for this line of work. I, I never really, you know, inquired about this line of work at all. Mm-hmm. But when I started uh, observing Megan and, and what she was doing, and and when she started bouncing questions off of me, and I was able to to answer them, or 
sometimes I wasn't able to answer, but I was at least able to have a conversation mm-hmm. to get towards an answer with her because they're all related to what we've been doing, what I've been doing all my life. And, and it, it's, it's amazing. It, it, knowledge is, is what I have. And I, I say that in a way is that I, I have all of this experience that that's, that's earned and, and, and acquired through the years. And now people are, are in a position where they, they just need me to, to give it to them. And, and, I, and I, I'm in a position to do that. And it's, it's really enjoyable for me. It, it, it's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. Did you fight it at all? Was there a no, point at which no. you, you were like, oh, I, I don't know if I'm the subject matter expert in this space? Or did you just give into it? I, I never uh, was approached as a subject matter expert. I don't, I don't feel like I am. I, I, I do get a lot of questions, though, because of the title that I've given myself. When you're a business owner, you can call yourself whatever you want. And, and so I started getting these questions based on my title, but I had the answers. So they, they were simple, basic questions that, that I had been asked my, in my past career and found the answers to. It's just this, this crop of people that I'm dealing with maybe haven't had the opportunity to have that question, or maybe the scenario is different for them. Also, I, I have the perspective of the hiring manager's uh, desires, needs, and wants. So when someone's asking me a question, I, I, can, I can drive them towards where we need to go and, and make sure that we're, we're on the right path. Right. Yeah, I, I feel like between the two of us, I know, Don, we had talked about how Chris is more your operations guy and specifically food and beverage. And I had the catering and the sales piece. And with what we do specifically as recruiters in that hospitality industry, mm-hmm. it kind of seems like a no brainer to put the two of us together to be a powerhouse, to be able to help all of these different companies with lots of different problems, whether they need somebody to find them, you know, a general manager or food and beverage or Um, We're now working with a single couple that owns a lodge, it's very boutique, upscale lodge and event venue in Missouri, outside of St. Louis. And they basically have come to us and said, we know where we want to go. We know nothing about operations. Mm. Chris and I, even today, helped them decide on the job, the title, we wrote the job description with them, we gave them all of our advice, and it was it was a great kind of feeling to be able to do that mm-hmm. for clients and to help them, you know, even if you, if you don't think you, well, I didn't, wasn't ever a general manager. So how do I advise somebody or know how to find somebody? You know, people ask our advice all the time and you really, I surprise myself. I always seem to have the answer and it comes, it comes kind of automatically. You just have to get past the fear. You do have to get past the fear, 100%. And it's interesting because we talked about this in the past. You're always your own worst critic, and we always give others the most grace, which is why you guys, you said powerhouse. I'm sorry. I was thinking dream team, but I guess we'll go with your word. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take either one. (laughs) All right. We'll go with your word for now. So as a powerhouse, it's really interesting because you complement each other in a number of ways, whether it be sales and catering versus operations experience, whether it be one of you is more into the business recruitment versus one of you is in business development. Mm-hmm. You, you really complement each other well to include giving each other positive and constructive feedback. Right. Uh, yes. which, which I love because Emily and I are very much like that. We talked about the fact that Emily and I are not competitors in our space. We complement each other really well. We stay in our strength buckets. We advise and, and give each other feedback, but it works really well for us. And the way in which you two just spoke leads me to another four letter word a good one. And it's the word care. 
mm-hmm. you guys care and you care about more than just the business. Oh, you have to. Otherwise, you're never going to be successful. Yes. And uh, it's amazing to me because I find, and I've had this conversation with a litany of other event and hospitality professionals, you don't come into the hospitality events industry and learn how to care. You come in to the events and hospitality industry because you care. Mm -hmm. And it's pretty neat that you guys went from existing in that ecosystem to building that ecosystem. And more importantly, being so happy with that new role, with that new transition. Because again, that's not, business ownership isn't necessarily for everyone, but it's, it's about making the decisions that you make and being courageous to make the changes you make to live a life you love. And congratulations, by the way, because you said Missouri. I know you have a new territory now, so you're now both yes. selling North Carolina and Missouri. So congratulations to you both. Thank doesn't, you. Thank you very much. It doesn't surprise me that powerhouses are growing and doing better. <laughs> and I will say, I was talking to another entrepreneurial couple before this, and we reminded folks that are in that entrepreneurial space, as hard as it is to accept, right now is the time when you double down your efforts. Mm-hmm. It's counterintuitive. Things are in a difficult place. Everybody's struggling and suffering, but whatever your efforts are, whether it be monetary efforts, marketing efforts, optimizing your processes and procedures in your business, whatever it is, you should be doubling down your efforts because when things get going again, when that freight train is back on the tracks, you need to be your most efficient, your most effective and your most strong business. So let's talk a little bit about my most passionate topic and that's the relationship marketing side of it. We talked a little bit about NACE We talked just now about how important it is to care and to care about more than just the business. We talked about the fact that Chris's relationship with a recruiter that didn't work out, the organizational structure didn't change and he wasn't placed, but you reached out to her and that was the origin story for this whole new business, which again is is essentially predicated on relationship marketing. I'm really teeing this up. Do you guys feel the excitement I'm building for the audience? (laughs) You guys do things so well when it comes to this kind of concept of relationship marketing, building a reputation, achieving success. I would love it if you'd like to share some of those ideas, the way in which you've built your business now and the way in which you're serving your clients as companies and candidates. Talk to me about some of your secrets. You have to care. I mean, because in just like anything within sales, whether you're selling a car or you're in recruiting, it's about word of mouth. It's about building those relationships, having people trust that you're going to do a good job. And so our, our ultimate goal, every single time we touch something for the clients, we find out what they really need, what's truly important to them. So that way we know who to find for them, because if we do a great job, then they're going to refer us to somebody else. But it's the same way on the candidate side, where when we talk to people, it's their lives that we could change. And, and you have to have that trust. The words that I heard you say that were so important to me, an outsider, it's a big deal. You have to care because essentially you guys are humble. I can sense that already. You're threading the needle. You're taking a position at a hotel. Mm-hmm. You're learning about that hotel. You're learning mm-hmm. about the position, the leadership, their goals, where they want to go. And you're matching them up with a candidate that has their own unique talents, their unique history, their unique experience. And you're saying, we believe that this small exclusive group of professionals is the right fit for you. Fair? That's a big deal because think about it for the candidate or for the hotel. If this doesn't work out, the hotel has to rehire. They have to let the person go. The person may have picked up and moved across country. So am I making you guys sweat? 
I'm sweating for you. No, no. see, look, no, Chris is, Chris is shaking his head. He's like, nope, I'm good. Like, and I, I wanted to point that out because that's so much why you guys care so much is because it's such a big deal. So uh, for what I, the part of the business that I do uh, is dealing with, primarily, uh, is dealing with the individuals that are applying for a role or being considered for a role. And sometimes I'm dealing with people that have worked with a recruiter before, and, and that's great. They, they know what to expect. They understand the relationship that we have here, where they understand what my role is. But a lot of times I'm, I'm dealing with someone that's never dealt, dealt with a recruiter before. And uh, I, have to, I have to get that individual to trust me uh, enough to communicate as much as possible, things that you wouldn't necessarily say in an interview, right? I have, I have to, I have to earn that trust. I have to speak transparently with them about everything that I know, as far as the organization goes, good and bad, mm-hmm. and make sure that they understand it. And then we talk through together, the candidate and I, about whether that could be a good fit for them. What would be good? What would be bad? And once I develop that trust, then then things start moving very smoothly because they're open with me. They're like, you know what? This is a great opportunity, but uh, it's not exactly what I want because of this, this, and this. And a lot of times the, the, the hiring company will, will tell me the same thing. Uh, this is a great candidate. We like everything except this, this, and this. But the more feedback I get, the more information I get, the more connection I get with the two teams that I'm dealing with, the easier my job becomes because I, I simply filter out what I'm looking for and, mm-hmm. and what's left, what, what, what the option is, right? And a lot of times, a majority of the time, I would say more than half the time, I'm filling a role of general manager at a hotel. Mm-hmm. Megan, a majority of the time, more than 50% of the time, is getting a contract signed to recruit by the general manager of a hotel. It's important that I ha- have a good relationship with this individual because in the future, sure. Megan will be calling them and asking them for our business to, to, to recruit for them. And as long as they had a good experience with me, then they're going to trust her. And vice versa. When, when they have a great experience with Megan uh, and, and in the future, when they're looking for a job, I'm going to be the recruiter because they know that we're transparent, that we're honest, that we're upfront, we're candid. Sometimes I'm too direct, but I'm direct. It, it, it works. It's working. I would rather have somebody be too direct than pat me on the head in that process because one of the things that I know from experience when you go through the interview process, if you don't get it, it's disappointing it's uh, emotionally difficult, right? In a lot of situations, when I had applied for a job in corporate America, you sort of forward think because you have to. Would I take this job? Would yeah. I move to this city? Would I experience these things? And then once you commit to the interview process and you're going through it, part of you is probably like, oh, I'm excited about this. I think this would be a fun new city to live in or a new position and a great hotel and great team members. And then you find out you didn't get it. Right. And I would want somebody that was candid with me. I mean, emotionally connected that I trust candid with me to say, Hey Don, I think these are the reasons you didn't get it. You could polish up your, this, you could fix that. Largely it might've also been just because of they, you know, this other person had experience you just didn't have. So, you know, we'll, we'll find you something else. What a cool opportunity to have an ally in this process. And the reason it's working, Chris, is because that means a lot to people. It does. It does. And I, I have those exact conversations with, with candidates. You must still let people down all the time. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I it, which is really tough. I try and have three to five candidates for a position, which means I'm, I'm telling no to two mm-hmm. to four people mm-hmm. uh, every single time. And, and when I was in the hotel business, I was, I was the decision maker on, on, on hiring candidates. You know, I was, the, I was the last one they interviewed with. And, and, and if I said no, then they didn't get the job, mm. but I didn't give any feedback to the candidate. 
Sure. I would give it to the manager that, that, that delivered them to me. This is why I didn't like them. Yeah. But the candidate yeah. never got it. They just got a, a TBNT. Here, I think it's extremely important, and, it, and it's, a, it's a personal goal of mine to, to communicate back to every single individual because I'm in that position to do so. I, I get feedback. Mm-hmm. We don't want this candidate, and this is why. I'm going to tell you that, Don. I want to say they, they didn't hire you because of this. Yep. You can fix this, Don. You, 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 can, you can change your resume. You can, you, can, you, can, uh, you can take a course. You can get a certification. Yep. Maybe your role should be in this position so that you get this experience. I can give that feedback to you, and I do. Uh, when many times it's just, you're just like you said, you didn't get the job and you're all excited, and now where are you? And that's going to serve you so well for all kinds of reasons, but it's also going to serve humanity for all kinds of reasons, right? People are going to feel better about the process. You're going to get referrals from that same person as they mm-hmm. progress in their career, but they might also say, hey, you listen, you guys should call Chris and Megan. They're amazing. They're going to help you find your next role. So I think you uh, keep on fighting that good fight. Um, <laughs> before we wrap up, uh, I think I talked to you as we, as we chatted going into the podcast interview. I like to provide inspiration. You guys are very inspirational. <laughs> I like to provide motivation. You guys have shown how, if you're hungry, you can go out and you can hunt and eat. Now I like to provide a little bit of education. Sure. We talked about some tactical advice from seasoned professionals, and that's YouTube, mm-hmm. about right. ways in which you can adjust to the transition. And that's any transition. I want to make sure to reiterate that business ownership and entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. Some people listening to this podcast that are fans of yours have probably been recruited and placed and whatnot, and they're looking for their next role, which is still in and of itself a change and a transition, right? So whether it be from being an industry professional to a business owner, or it be an industry professional from one amazing step in their career to the next, what do you tell people about that transition? What's the tactical advice that you'd like to share? I guess one of the truly big things for me was when you make a decision like that, it's very exciting and you get super excited to see progress. And obviously that's the goal in any business, right? But most people starting from the ground up, that is not going to happen. I think going into a brand new business, you have to find patience with yourself Mm -hmm. and not Mm -hmm. have the expectation that this is just going to be like, Oh my God, I hit gold. And that next thing I know, like we're taking trips to Bermuda, you know what I mean? Cause Mm -hmm. that is really not how it goes in most cases of of opening a new business. It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to, you have to be prepared for a lot of work, but having patience with yourself is key And then also you need to celebrate those small wins. So, and I say that because it could be like, okay, well, my my goal is I need my very first client. I'm gonna work super hard to get there, but how am I gonna do that? Mm -hmm. You have to break it down and you have to say, okay, I've got some attainable goals. I mean, we all know what smart goals look like, right? This, even if it's not your boss telling you you should do that, you've got to give yourself attainable goals and even break them down even further. So that way you have things to celebrate Mm -hmm. before you get to the larger goal and say, okay, if I want my first client, I have to make 10 calls or I have to prospect 10 new people. I have to build, you know, these people into um, the database system that we use. And if you can give yourself those smaller goals and then celebrate them when, when you get there. 
even if it's not, oh, I actually have a client, it's, hey, I actually got somebody to respond to me today. Woohoo, right? That, that, that deserves some champagne. I mean, because sometimes that's hard, especially when you're not hearing you know, back from people. And I, and I talk specifically in the BD side of, of gaining new clients when it's quiet and it's crickets. And especially when you go from working with a group in mm-hmm. a large company to being by yourself. I heard some exceptional tactical advice, but what I heard yeah. most was champagne. Yeah. <laughs> it's always good. I, but you did, you mentioned smart goals. So if you're out there Googling as fast as you can, smart goals, it's a very common term to reference goals that are strategic, measurable, actionable, relevant, and time trackable. And it allows you to create a goal that you can genuinely set and see whether you've achieved it or not. You also mentioned something like a CRM system, which as a relationship marketer and a hospitality industry professional, a customer relationship management software of some sort or system of some sort is worth its weight in gold in my place, in my world. I feel Mm -hmm. like you need to know who you know, where you know them from, when you met them, names of their children, things that make sure that they understand that once again, you care and you care about more than just the business. So those were some really great takeaways for me. Chris, is there anything you want to add? I think uh, don't take uh, uh, for granted the, the fact that the companies are successful for, for certain reasons, you know, and, and one of those would be there's processes in place mm-hmm. for just about everything. And when you're an entrepreneur, when you start your own business, you have no processes. That's, that's kind of by definition what a new business is. It's like it's new. Uh, so take the time to, to put some processes in place for your day-to-day actions. If for no other reason, for, except for the goal that you're going to grow to a point where you have to hire someone to do this job, have the process written out so that you're not sitting next to that person for weeks and sometimes months to showing them it can be a document. Mm-hmm. And, and it helps you as well. It keeps you focused. It helps me as well. It keeps me focused and keeps me on track because many times I, I, I get sidelined and, and, uh, and responsive to the moment versus responsive to, to the, to the goal. Man, I knew I liked you. Now, <laughs> now I think there might be a bromance forming here because I got to right, tell you, <laughs> uh, coming out of corporate America, if there's one thing that I felt was a great boot camp was the hospitality side of it, but the administrative operational side of having standard operating procedures, writing things down. And I think one major fallacy that people subscribe to is, well, it's just my business. It's just me or just me and my wife or just me and my business partner. One of the two of us do it. A, if you have a process, it means you're going to be consistent. It means that you can pick it up if your business partner goes on vacation or whatever else. But also to your point, you got to look down like a chess player and think when I'm blowing up business and I'm living large and things are so great, do I really want to take time to write the 15 standard operating procedures I need to write <laughs> to onboard someone as my assistant or as a new um, executive member of the firm? So, Chris, I knew I liked you. I really did. That's likewise. <laughs> not, not more than me, though, right? I mean, because you guys... <laughs> we were friends first. Uh, just keep that in mind. I've met you a few times in person. <laughs> you guys are a powerhouse. You come as a team. And I like everything about that because, like I said, you really are compliments to one another, both in your experience, in your strengths, and in your opportunity to give each other the same constructive feedback that you offer to your companies and your clients. I can't reiterate enough how important I think what you do is mm-hmm. to candidates and to companies and to, f- to think that you've built a life that you love. You've had this lifestyle change. You've seen the benefits of it. 
it really, I think it's truly those three things. It's inspirational, motivational, educational for so many people that are listening. And, and I really appreciate you sharing your story with us. We're going to do the lightning round. Yay. Yeah, it's I'm fun. Excited. I mean, can, do, do we get to have champagne? <laughs> well, <laughs> next time we get together, the first bottle of champagne can be on me, uh, which I okay. assume might be in Charlotte for the Evolve Conference in January. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but the, the lightning round is a fun, you know, we talk about heavy stuff. We talk about life transitions. We talk about tactical and strategic. Now we just talk about just a couple of fun ideas I'm going to fire off at you. You guys can take turns. You both have to answer each question. You're supposed to tell me what your immediate response is. So are you ready? Okay. Ready? Mac or PC? PC. PC. Really? I thought I liked you guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're just saying, right? Well, uh, it could be that I don't have any experience with Mac, so yeah. I don't really know that I can answer that. Totally fair. Apples to apples. Yes, so, no pun intended. Totally fair. <laughs> okay, red wine or white wine? White. Red. Mm-hmm. See, a house divided, again, each in your own mm-hmm. strength buckets. You don't have to fight over the last glass of wine. Yeah. No. Light beer or dark beer? Light. IPA? Is that, is that, can I do that? Can I switch it up? I'll yeah. go dark. I'll go dark. I'll go yeah, dark. you I'll can. Go dark. IPA, IPA yeah. I would consider dark anyway. Yeah. Uh, sci-fi or rom-com? <laughs> rom-com, for sure. Sci-fi. For sure. <laughs> How did I know there might be a leaning to those answers? All right. Thank you guys both so much for, for doing the lightning round with me. I think it's a fun way to end the podcast. But before we go, where can people find you? Best place to find Chris and I is on LinkedIn. That's just somewhere we live and all day long where we're at, um, where we find our candidates. So we're happy to chat with you, whether you're needing a job or you just need some advice on where to look, or if you potentially need help finding that perfect candidate, LinkedIn is where you'd find us. Um, Gecko Hospitality does have a great website. So if you're looking for more information, about the company itself. We are a national company, so we do have presence everywhere. Chris and I are always open to talk to anybody about anything. I love that. And I know that you're a strong vice president of the Charlotte NACE chapter. So if people have questions about the value and the importance of industry associations like NACE, you can advise them on that as well. Absolutely. As we wrap up, do you guys have any final thoughts you want to share? I guess from an entrepreneur point of view, if you decide to go down that path, whatever it is, just make sure you are absolutely passionate about it because it's tough. It's not easy for all the reasons that seem obvious, but if you truly believe in your process, why you do what you do and and you have a purpose to do it, you will wake up and be excited to actually go to work every single day. God, isn't that a dream? Chris, anything else to add? I'd say tighten up your networking profiles. If you're on LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter, Indeed, whatever you use, they're all free to a candidate. They're all free to corporations. Make sure that, they, that, they're, that they're accurate. You know, everybody's on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and all of them all day long. Many people don't spend enough time on their professional profile. If I can't find you, then, then I'm not even going to call you. So it's important that as a professional, keep your professional profiles up to date, accurate, looking clean. It's important. I really appreciate the fact that you each shared something for a very diverse audience. We got some final thoughts about entrepreneurship from Megan, and we got some great feedback regarding your digital footprint as a professional on the internet in the event you're going to become a candidate. Megan and Chris, thank you again for being here today and for sharing your story with us. I'm confident that your business secrets and personal stories will help others create a life they love to live just like you have. Thanks also for being a part of the People First and Profit Revolution. And with that, Adam Wilmore, how about you take us out of here? 
Thanks for listening to the People First in Profit podcast. If you like this episode, and I'm pretty sure you did, subscribe, review, and share it with your friends, fans, and followers wherever you get your podcasts. Check out the show notes for additional information about this week's guest, as well as a list of all the links and resources we discussed. Be sure to visit peoplefirstinprofit.com for a ton of great content, free resources, and links to the People First in Profit community. All right, I'm Adam Wilmore, and on behalf of your host, Don Mamoni, we'll see you next week. Thank you.